Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to our, the, the next episode of our podcast on negotiation. And today, as almost every week uh, recently, we have a very special guest, and that is Mark Young, who is the president and founder of Rational Games. Mark, thank you for joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I am indeed the president and founder of Rational Games. We teach negotiation using playful methods. I live in Berlin. I'm German-American. I've been in Berlin almost 30 years. I came when the wall fell down, seeking my fortune, and I'm still seeking. Um, and, but we work all over the world, and, um, and we love to play. Yes, thank you, Mark. Uh, um, the topic of our today's chat will be games and their meaning, importance uh, in conflict resolution. And uh, I cannot imagine anybody else a better expert than uh, Mark Young. Mark, could you tell us a little bit about your the origins of your interest in negotiation and in games? Um, yeah, I mean, it was sort of a journey. I mean, it started, I, I sort of, uh, I, I took a sabbatical from Price Waterhouse where I used to work and um, wanted to do a doctoral degree. And I was interested in game theory um, and also in applications to negotiation. I just thought that was relevant and interesting. And so I did that and uh, uh, spent a couple of years at Humboldt University in Berlin uh, doing that and uh, also at Harvard for a year. And that created a book called Rational Games, which you can buy strongly discounted on Amazon. Um, and But it was mostly head games. It was, it was game theory. It was Prisoner's Dilemma. It was various things like that. Um, and um, that fascinated me uh, all and I was interested in questioning game theory. Do, do people really always maximize utility? I don't think they do. And so that was that was that. But then when I finished, then we decided to found our company because by then every my company had merged away from me. There was no more Price Waterhouse. It went went to PwC and all the corporate finance people went to Arthur Anderson, which wasn't very smart. Uh, and so I founded Rational Games. And then we began to play with the idea of games. And we realized, uh, and I was interested in the serious games move movement, that games is a lot more than, than game theory, that there are all kinds of games, anything, anything playful. Uh, and I really got you know, in interested in that, in the whole idea of gamification uh, and the power that it has um, to teach, first of all, and also to negotiate. So we developed it further, and we uh, now have a, a very extensive repertoire. We do uh, simulations, we do the classic negotiation, things like Sally Swansong and all of that. But we also have other simulations that we've written. We um, do a lot of improvisational theater. Um, we bring in actors um, unannounced uh, to do role plays with, with our participants. Um, we do anything that's playful and that it's sometimes very edgy because it's a real experiential sort of thing. The idea is that uh, in that, if, if a role play is really of high quality, it sticks with people a lot more than PowerPoint ever would. And so you uh, are helping them to change their inner experience, which is what I'm after as a trainer. Um, and then in negotiation, uh, when you're playful and you're light and you have some humor, um, you, you go further. You get a better result. You really do. Yes. We'll talk about it in a little bit more detail in, 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 a, few, in a few minutes. I was wondering, you know, when you uh, when you guys founded uh, Rational Games, yes, uh, why did you decide to uh, to to add Rational to games? Well, the idea and the branding idea, and this came later. It took a while to figure it all ourselves. But the idea is, you know, when I was a college student, I was a waiter um, in a restaurant in Los Angeles, and it was called the the Velvet Turtle. You people might have heard of it, 
and what they are. we were trained to say velvet for elegance, turtle for fun. Um, and so we are rational means that we're serious. You know, I, we have the credentials. I have some gray hair. I have a tweed jacket. You know, we're, you know, serious strategic thinkers. We help serious senior people to negotiate, but we do it through games. So it's serious, but it's fun. And, and our tagline is a playful negotiation for serious people. So that's playful negotiation for serious people. That's, uh, uh, sounds like almost like an oxymoron, but it isn't. Yeah? And we'll talk about the details uh, in a few uh, in a few in a few moments. Um, do you play games yourself? Yourself? No, not much. <laughs> Certainly not digital games. I, I'm, I'm not terribly interested in digital games as such. I mean, I do things like Duolingo on an app, and that's that's gamified. Um, but I'm not so into the normal application of games. I'm much more interested in serious games. Mm -hmm. How you can take serious topics and 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 transport them through games. You know, the whole serious games movement started with um, in healthcare. I don't know if you know that, um, but in healthcare, uh, this was 20 years or so ago. Um, someone broke their arm, let's say, and they were supposed to, and they're told, told by their doctor that they need to move their arm a hundred times every morning, which is pretty boring. And so people don't do that. And so they don't get better. But then they had the idea to create a game which projects a basketball hoop uh, and a ball that's digital. And then people very happily are doing and watching the points and their arms get better. And I think that is convincing that you can take gamification and you can apply it to serious things. Uh, and, and it works because people love to play. It's so deep. Um, I did a TEDx about this a few years ago, and it's it's one of the deepest human needs. I, th I see it. I see it all the time. Uh, I, you know, we teach um, uh, very, um, we teach bureaucrats at the Deutsche Post, for instance, you know, and I get them to play games and they're delighted. They just come to life. And so I have the more, the longer I do this, the more convinced I am of the power of games uh, to, to bring people to life, to help them learn and then to, to negotiate better. That's uh, that's super exciting, Mark. Uh, what, where do where do you think it comes from, right? Is it uh, does it bring back the memories, childhood memories, uh, you know, from when we were allowed to play, and then you sort of uh, um, due to the you know course of life, we start working, uh, start our families, and then forget that life can be playful. What, what what is the mechanism that triggers you know these positive associations with uh, playing games? Well, I think we all know how in the beginning we all play naturally. I mean, babies play with their toes in the crib and, you know, there's a, and you watch little kids, they're, they're, they, they have no trouble playing. They, it's, it's a natural instinct. And then somewhere along the way, and Piaget has done a lot of work on this, um, they, you know, we, we, the inhibitions start and we get, you know, too much in the head and we drop it. And then and by the age of seven or eight, we're not really playing so much anymore. Or at least we're not playing. We're, we're playing consciously, um, uh, and then we get very serious, and then we drop it completely because because of the it's it's not safe to play. You've got to be serious. You've got to be you know, doing your career, but it's still there, I think. And I think the great challenge, not only people like me, but also people that are in the gamification world, is to is to unlock that. To and normally it's about making it safe. So when we do seminars, we spend a lot of time on ground rules and safety and confidentiality. Um, and that usually, if you create a safe space, uh, people will let go and, and play. Mm -hmm. it's about trust. And that, that's when the seminar takes off.
I think. Yes, yeah. yes. So having the, the the safe ball pit, so to speak, having ground rules, having yeah. uh, having um, uh, having um, you know the security, the feeling that uh, nothing bad happens, even if I mess up, right? That's uh, yeah. probably a, a trigger. Um, speaking of which, right? Um, <clears throat> I think um, using the analogies uh, and narratives, uh, it's a, it's a very important and relevant topic, and I I've, uh, I have a paper in front of me uh, that you wrote uh, uh, together with uh, with Eric a few years back. On on what is the right analogy? What is the right narrative for negotiation? Yes. So, so is it uh, is it a playful kind of a game dance type of a type of an analogy, or is it is it a fight? Yeah. Um, could you um, could you could you tell us a little bit about uh, about what you think about this, uh, this the most suitable analogies in the context of negotiation? Well, let me say that I, I, I I'm very much a fan of metaphors. I use metaphors a lot when I teach because it sticks. Um, and so when you look for what's a metaphor for negotiation, we did some thinking around that. And it is a fight because you are competing and you want to win. We all like this. Winning is just as deep as play. But it is also a dance. And so that's when we ran into capoeira, which is, of course, a Brazilian fight dance um, that is quite popular. And what's interesting about capoeira, it was done by slaves in Brazil, um, is that they... Um, were basically fighting, but when the owners came by, they they made it look like a dance. Um, so, so it's somewhere between a fight and a dance. And so what we actually did for that paper is we went to Kreuzberg and took capoeira classes um, to learn a little capoeira. And it, it, it is very beautiful, first of all, because it is that, you know, there's a roda and a, and a drum and people in a circle. And, um, and the idea of it, and this I find very compelling, is that it's not so much that I hit you, it's that I show you that I could have hit you in a beautiful way. So I'm demonstrating power and I'm and I'm dominating, but I'm not, but I'm doing it in a gentle way and I'm, I'm giving you space. Uh, and I like that a lot. I think that's that's the right way to approach negotiation. In improv, we always say make your partner look good. Um, so it's honoring the other person, it's 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 having fun with them, but still being strong. You know, still, you know, not 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 giving in, not not submitting. So, so we wrote this little paper, which I, for the Harvard Journal, which I, it's it, it's a very playful paper. It would never make it in an academic uh, uh, context, but there we said, you know, uh, it's called the rhythm of the deal, and we, it's it says that, you know, negotiation as a dance. What happens when you think of negotiation as a dance? And we actually isolated a couple of dance, particular dances. Um, to follow the Harvard steps, and you know, you start with um, with the dance of positions, which we dubbed flamenco, which is where you say what you want in a very forceful, very clear way, um, and you're not giving any ground, and then you move from there to the dance of interests, which is more ballet. It's more giving and taking and beautiful, you know, partnership and 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 so on. And much more sensuous, much more um, emotional. And then I always end with jive, um, which is you know trading, bargaining. I give you this, you give me that. You know, so that's a very playful uh, and non-academic approach. But the idea is, if you think of it that way, as opposed to a fight. And I think my my, my number one um, objective in, in seminars is to make people like negotiation. I have so many people that come in; they're terrified. And, and they say, I don't like conflict, and I don't like, this is going to be a lot of work. And if I can get them to let go of that and have fun 
and realize that it can be a lot of fun. That's 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 what that's what I'm after. So and thinking about the dance is one one way in because it's it's a metaphor that I think everybody gets. And the capoeira thing is, is quite accurate. So yes, uh, I recommend my essay. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, yes, so let's continue our dance here. Um, um, one of the reviewers, we recently submitted a paper on on, on first offers, um, and one of the reviewers uh, did not like our analogy. Uh, uh, we used the analogy of uh, of chess. Yeah? Why? Because we kind of uh, perceive negotiation as an as an iterative game. So. You move, then I move. You move, then I move. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I myself uh, used to uh, indeed dance and play chess. And okay. I sort of thought about it uh, uh, quite a long to, for quite a long time, which is the, 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 the more suitable analogy in terms of the context of making offers. Yeah? Uh, and uh, um, I don't know what you, would, what you think about it, but it seems, uh, it seems that uh, dance um, is uh, where we synchronously repeat learned steps. Yeah, at least most of it. There's improv improvised dance as well, but uh, uh, whereas chess is where we react to each other's actions. Yeah? So, what do you think? Is it uh, more a game of a chess or more more of a, more more a dance? Very intriguing question. Let me think about it. I would say um, they're both interesting metaphors. Um, what speaks for the chess is that it is strategic, that it is thinking in advance. It is it is. I mean, that more than dances. Um, the problem with chess is that it's a win-lose game. That's true. And so when we started Rational Games, we had a logo, and it was a chess piece. And it was burgundy, and it looked very elegant. I thought it was very Harvardish, And so we had that for eight or ten years. But then people kept asking me, why do you, chess is a win-lose game. Why do you have that as your logo? So then we started thinking about, well, what do you do? And then we thought about having the chess, chess pieces dance. We did a little video where they unexpectedly danced. That was um, kind of fun, but then we dropped, decided it with with some help from you know graphic designers, decided to drop the chess, and now we do, uh, and you know this from seeing our, our stuff, um, we just do lettering, and half the lettering is 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 serious, and half the lettering is wacky, crazy, and so we don't have any kind of a because I can't think of a logo, I can't think of a game. Um, that is win-win that you can use. And we thought of three-legged, you know, three-legged races. Or, but um, so I'm not so keen on chess as, a, as a, because it's it's very cerebral um, and it's very you know it's very linear. It's one thing after the next, um, and it's intellectual. And I think you know I am much more interested as I get older in the sensuous side of negotiation, in the holistic approach, and not just what's in the head. So yes. I vote for a dance, but I see what you're saying, and I will think about that further. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, uh, if uh, if you don't mind, Mark, uh, uh, we'll put a, a link uh, to your uh, company um, uh, website and obviously um, to to your paper, if that's mm -hmm. uh, if that's okay, so that uh, uh, so that our viewers uh, can have a look at uh, at it themselves. Uh, um, but speaking of which, speaking of games, uh, what kind of games uh, are you using while teaching people how to negotiate better? Um, starting with simulations, we do, you know, we've written a number of simulations, uh, also from the political world. We teach at the foreign ministry in Germany. So we've done some diplomatic things, you know, the, the refugee crisis, um, you know, sort of multilateral negotiations with some unexpected little twists along the way that to make it fun. Um, so that's, that's playful and, and relevant for the political world. 
Um, and I also teach increasingly in the last couple of years in, in the political world in, in, in Germany, you know, advising there and, and our clients there are, tend to be terribly serious, terribly, uh, the German word is belehren, which means, um, it doesn't mean translate, it means, you know, teaching you, helping you. And so we try to train them to be less belehren and more playful. And so we use simulations there that come from their topics and they're very serious topics, you know, like climate change and, 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 and inequality and so on. But how do you, how do you transport that uh, in a playful way? Um, I have a good colleague and friend, Bulina Rafi, um, who teaches what she calls sustainable stand-up comedy. So she takes, she takes very serious people like that and she teaches them to tell jokes. Um, about it, uh, which makes them much more interesting uh, in a storytelling sense and also transports the topic without letting go of what the serious topic. Mm -hmm. um, so we do that. We do humor, we do simulations, we do a lot with actors who are trained to teach win-win. They know what we're after. So it's not just fun and games. They really know that it's, you know, we teach empathy, for instance, with, with actors. Um, and then I do a lot of improv. It's my love. So we, we, after lunch, we always do a little improv to warm up. And, and then we talk about things like making your partner look good and dropping your story and following someone else and listening. And these things are so relevant for negotiation. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark, um, a, a vital and important part of your business, which, uh, which um, I admire a lot, is your engagement in, um, in uh, nonprofit projects. Um, um, I, I read on your website that uh, that you reinvest uh, reinvest um, uh, the uh, the profits from rational games into um, into projects around the world, which aimed at using games in conflict resolution. Yeah? Could you uh, could you share maybe a few uh, a few a few of those projects and tell us uh, tell us how it works? What are the results? What are uh, what are the examples? Where in the world uh, you guys are engaged in uh, what kind of projects? Um, we're very small, tiny. We are a boutique. Um, it's just mostly me with my seven co-trainers that you can see on our website. Um, otherwise, no paid staff, so we're very small. But from the beginning, we had this idea um, that we wanted to have two sides to the business. We wanted to teach negotiation to senior people using playful methods. And then we wanted to have a side that used the proceeds of that to support projects that use games and play in the nonprofit sector. It's a, it, at the time, it was a bit of a Robin Hood idea. So you're, you're using games uh, on the one side and applying on the other. It's now morphed into what we call the Good Samaritan idea, um, which is um, you know, trying to help people that are making a difference. And we get more and more liberal with our definition. To us, games can be many, many things. We started with soccer in Africa for kids from different tribes bring them together, they learn fair play, they, 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 they learn to trust each other, you know, especially places like Rwanda, the, 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 the two tribes. Um, we've done music. Um, we did a project on the Nile River. The Nile River is a, a source of a lot of conflict because water is a key resource and there are nine countries and not much water. And so they're fighting, but the group of musicians that we discovered um, did a CD. This is in the days when we all did CDs and went up and down the, the Nile on a, on, a, on, a, on a boat giving concerts. And that brought people together. So music is a big one. We, we now work with Musicians Without Borders, another on an African project, because they have some really interesting ideas on peace building through music. 
Um, we um, do sports. We have an ice hockey project in Berlin. Um, there's a former child swimmer from the Olympics from East Germany um, who is now 50 and is um, founded this NGO where they, they go through the streets of Kreuzberg and, and Neukölln and they pick up problem kids and take them to the stadium and teach them ice hockey. And they form a league and they have a regular outlet and they, the aggression goes into something harmless. And then they have a big tournament at the end with the cake on the ice, and it's all very, very, very warm. And that I think is cool. How 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 hockey, you know, uh, is a source for bringing people together. And a lot of them have uh, what the German called uh, migrant backgrounds. So it's 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 Germans and Syrians, and and so we work a lot with refugees. We have a Capoeira project. Let's go back to my theme, where um, they bring Germans and refugees together to learn capoeira as a just as a as a sport. So anything that is playful, and that could be music, it could be dance, it could be theater. We have that as well. It could be um, it could uh, or sport. Um, so we're getting pretty liberal with it. Anything that is playful that goes straight to conflict, people that wouldn't be together without it. And we have now given, I'm very proud to say, in 20 years, we've given away with partners a million dollars um, to this, uh, which isn't anything in the philanthropy world, but for us, it's a lot. Um, but we're very keen to give away more. We're building partnerships with larger foundations because um, uh, we're, we're beginners at philanthropy. We, we didn't know what we were doing when we started. But that is the side of the business that interests me more as, as, the, as time goes on, because that's really where... I get excited because you're making a difference in the world with this idea. It's not just, you know, working in the corporate world, helping them sell the toothpaste cheaper or less cheap, but it's really doing something significant. So, yes. Uh, so a big shout out to our audience, uh, guys, if you have, uh, if you have uh, funds, uh, which you don't know how to invest, uh, yeah. there is uh, it's rich people that like our idea. Put me in yes. Exactly. If you guys, uh, if you guys have, uh, are inspired just as I am uh, by what Mark and uh, and his colleagues are doing with uh, Rational Games, uh, uh, reach out to them, um, help them out. Uh, um, the money invested in those areas uh, has the best have the has the best ROIs of all. Yeah, because they give you um, they give you something that other investments cannot do. And that is uh, well, it's it's become a competitive advantage for us. Well, you know, we think about what's our USP. In the negotiation training world, well, it's we're playful. That's fun. Um, uh, we are serious, and and we are a social business, which in exactly. the early days we didn't say much about that, but we're more and more putting that in the forefront because I think clients like that. Amazing. It's, yes. They can't deduct their fee because they're getting a service, so it, it doesn't work as for that. But but they are supporting something, uh, and we we more and more want to link our philanthropy with our clients and with our trainers. Um, so they can have a, a say in where it goes and how they're doing it. But so uh, it used to be two very separate things, and now it's less and less so. Um, that's great to hear, Mark. Thank you so much for inspiring all of us. Um, um, you're doing a great job with this. Uh, uh, what do you think, Mark? What do you, you know that uh, we're organizing negotiation competitions, right? Um, both for students uh, to uh, nourish their passion and somehow uh, let them. Um, uh, let them compare their negotiation skills with others. But we also uh, recently started doing the same with professionals. So people who are um, who are negotiating as a part of their everyday job. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So um, uh, salespeople, key account managers, uh, 
procurement, purchasing, uh, deal makers. Uh, um, uh, we, um, we get them together and um, allow them to sort of uh, compare their negotiation skills along the dimensions that we've, uh, that we've come up with. Uh, what do you think about uh, negotiation? Um, let's say, what do you think about uh, uh, comparing negotiation skills or using negotiation competitions in the, in the spectrum of pedagogical methods to teach or incentivize teaching or learning negotiation? I think it's a fabulous idea. I really do. I, I, I've been a judge for you once or twice on the, 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 the I haven't done the new one. I'd like to, to do that. You know, you know, Simon Sinek, who everybody's heard of on the internet, um, wrote a book called The Infinite Game, which of course interests me a lot. Um, and he talks about worthy rivals. Um, in other words, you know, you, you don't have to compete with people. There's nothing wrong with getting together and doing best practices and swapping stories and helping each other. I think that's what you're doing. You're, you're bringing rivals together. And I, I, I'm all for that. I'm all for anything that um, collaborates, that helps people create something together, even if they're competitors. Mm-hmm. It's quite amazing because many, many, many participants um, join join our competitions to uh, to win, to beat others, right? Uh, to demonstrate the superiority. And at the end of the day, they become friends. Yes, uh, with other participants. So, um, yes, uh, it's, I'm sorry, we're sort of uh, going in a very similar direction. Yes, uh, using mm-hmm. ga- a game to incentivize uh, and, and negotiation, teaching, or learning. Yes. Well, the hope is the winning because we all have so deep. We all want to win. For whatever that's where I mean, you can say quite rationally, you look at a soccer game, who cares where this ball ends up and whether it's two to three or four to one, it doesn't make it, but it people are absolutely into it. So you can always get them with the hook of winning. Uh, and every competition is exciting. But from the, the one once or twice I worked with you on this, I realized that that wasn't the main thing in the end, I don't think. And it was the camaraderie, it was the Exactly. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. Thank you so much, uh, Mark. I would I I would never let you go without tell without uh, asking you to 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 share some insights uh, about your second passion, and that is improvisation, improvisation theater, and how this uh, plays with uh, teaching or learning negotiation. And we know that uh, one of the most important parts in teaching or learning negotiation is learning how to prepare. So anticipating planning strategically and so on but we can there's only certain extent to which we can prepare what's going to happen or how we react to what is going to happen and the rest we have to improvise so how do we teach people to uh, react spontaneously to new um, incoming events or new information that we get in a in a negotiation well here's where you're back to the whole idea of rational games because the rational is the preparation um, and we do a lot of, we put a lot of emphasis on preparation. We have worksheets, we, you know, figuring out what your alternatives are, what your interests are, what your issues are, your priorities, your ranges. We do all of that um, in a very, in a very left brain kind of way. Um, and we, we, there's huge value in that because people that are prepared are much stronger than if they're not. But then I always say about halfway through, I say, please don't fall in love with your preparation. Um, no matter how good it is, it's full of assumptions, and assumptions are dangerous. Uh, in life, we go through life constantly making assumptions, and if you and you learn to question your assumptions, and that takes you into the realm of improv. Um, and you know, and if you start to play, um, you get surprises. You know, they come up with things you didn't think of, um, and then instead of saying no, 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 you can't do that. It's not on my sheet. 
um, you have to learn to let go. And one of the improv has a there's a central triangle of improv that's came uh, from the beginning, and it says there are three principles. One is let go. In other words, just drop your story, drop whatever you think you were going to do. You know, if I come up to you and I hold up my hands and I say, here, Remy, this is for you, and I think it's a little bird, and you take it and you say, oh, it's hot, you know, it's cold. I have to drop my bird immediately and follow the cold, even though I think that's a weird idea, but I have to make you look good, which is the second principle. So I don't want to make you, I don't want to embarrass you that you did something wrong or said the wrong thing. So I drop my little bird as and I have this thought out story about the little bird and how fun it's going to be. It's over and I stick with your story. Um, and then you use everything is the third thing. You, you, you just listen and you pick up uh, anything that's happening and, and fold that into your story. So it's thinking on your feet. It's listening in a very deep way, which we have to be trained to do. Um, and it's, 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 it's honoring other people's ideas and trying to build on them. Um, you know, there's the famous, um, one of the most famous exercises that most of them know is the yes and, yes but exercise, um, where you have pairs and you say, let's go to the movies tonight, and you say, yes, but, um, you know, I don't have any money. And then I try to say, well, yes, I'll lend you the money. Well, yes, but um, I have to be home by 10. So you're always having these, uh, these reasons why it won't work, which is the default setting for a lot of people. You know, why won't this work? And the yes and is you have to pick it up no matter how weird it is, and say yes, and add something on top. And it gets very fun because you end up with ridiculous ideas, but people have great fun and they realize the power of yes ending, as we call it, the power of just picking up an idea and playing with it and not killing it. And in negotiation, uh, when you wanna make the pie bigger as we teach, you need creativity, you need ideas, you need, you need to think bigger. And one way to do that is through improv, I've learned. Thank you, Mark. Uh, that's uh, that makes me want to uh, uh, book one of your seminars. Uh, <laughs> swing by in Berlin and uh, and uh, uh, learn more about it. One thing, one question I'm, I'm, I'm I've been uh, that's been buzzing in my head ever since uh, we started talking about impro uh, improvisation is uh, to what extent do you believe that this spontaneity and create uh, creativity. Uh, these spontaneous spontaneous reactions uh, can be learned. Is it something that is it you know that creative and spontaneous people go and do impro, yeah, self-selection, or can we just take a lay person like myself, yeah, who has absolutely no idea, needs to uh, think strategically and be prepared, right, and uh, uh, chase me through a negotiate, um, uh, an impro training and uh, make me a, 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 um, a spontaneous uh, yes-ender? You can do it, Remy. It's all there. It's inside of you. It's like unlocking the play, as we talked about earlier. It's, it's there. Um, I'm a prime example. I'm about as left brain a person as you'll find. I mean, I started as a banker and then I was a McKinsey consultant and I did lots of decision trees and lots of matrices and very, very linear, very, very left brain. Um, and I had to learn, you know, to let go of that. And I don't know what drove me to improv. It just sounded like fun. Um, but, you know, over the last 10 years or so, I've just really learned the power of you know thinking differently of you know getting out of the box and getting out of the routines and the and the you know three steps and the gantt chart and all the things that and just playing uh, and i i think that was in me all the time <laughs> and it's been unlocked and i'm still working on it 
Um, but I think it's in you too. I think we all, I really believe that we fundamentally are geared to play. It's, it's, it's in our DNA. Um, yes. Yes, that sounds uh, that sounds great, uh, Mark. My last, always my last question is um, about great negotiators. Mm -hmm. um, so when you think about everything that you cherish, that you know and cherish in in terms of uh, what makes uh, makes up a great negotiator, mm -hmm. you know, which however you you define it, yes, who comes to your mind as an example uh, personification of those traits? Um. It's not very creative, but I, I always come back to Mandela um, for different reasons. Um, I'm more interested there in the ethical side because he was a deeply ethical man, a very gentle man, very focused and forgiving and uh, very wise. And I think those are that's a whole nother set of skills. But I think when you look at what he did, and I wrote a piece about this as well some years ago. Um, you know, in South Africa, everybody said this is hopeless. You know, it's it's apartheid, and they're going to have a bomb, or they're going to have a civil war, or there's going to be bloodshed. And you, what are you going to do? But somehow they negotiated. They let him out of jail. They talked, and they got an agreement, and they got a new government and a new constitution without bloodshed. Um, and you know, lots of problems. But wow, what a negotiation result! And the power that he had was not from having an army. He didn't. He didn't have much money either. Um, he had a really, really complicated home front. He had, there were nine tribes that hated each other. He had the chief Putelezi, who was a troublemaker and kept, you know, uh, giving him curveballs. But he was ethical and he was clear and he was kind. And I think that is impressive. Thank you so much, uh, Mark, uh, for being with us today. Um, um, our guest was Mark Young, uh, founder and president of uh, Rational Games. Guys, look up uh, their website. Uh, I will post uh, Mark's uh, articles um, as one of the links under, under our po uh, podcast. Uh, Mark, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Great conversation. Thank you. Mm -hmm.